3, 10-17. This is a continuation of what he, Paul taught in verses 1 through 9. And uh, it's kind of a package together, goes together. It's a continuation of, of the teaching. In uh, verse, verse 1, he, he said, uh, If you be risen with Christ, I've covered that two weeks now, seek the things which are above. Verse 2, set your affections on things above. He talks about our position in Christ, that we're dead with Christ at the cross, and we're hid with Christ. We're raised with Christ. We are in a union with Christ, we belong to Christ, and He is in us, and we are in Him. And when He appears, we'll, we're going to be seen with Him in glorious appearance. We're going to be seen for what we are. And then He 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 instructs us in verse five how to deal with the sin of the flesh. If you got sin that's in your flesh, He says, mortify. Therefore, the members of your which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil, concupiscences, and covetousness, those things, and such like. Anything else? You got a problem with some type of sin? He said mortify it. And so then he's going to tell us how to mortify it or how to prepare ourselves for a victorious Christian life. And we, we get down uh, to verse 10 to 17, it's, he's going to teach that. And he's going over the ideal of putting off the old man, those things that are in the flesh, and putting on the new man, which is Christ. But let me read the text, and we'll go back and pick that up. He says in verse 10, and put on the new man. That's the new person you are in Christ, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of Christ that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all and in all. Then put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy and kindness, humbleness of mind and meekness and longsuffering. These, verse 12, deals, deals with sin of the spirit, the others are sins of the flesh, and these are sins of the spirit. It's not all inclusive, but notice he says in verse 12, uh, uh, he says, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness, of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. Then he goes on, verse 13, forbearing one another. In other words, someone sins against us. We, we're to forgive that. Okay? And I talk, I talk about Christians here. I talk about Christian sins. What are Christian sins? Well, Christian sins are not adultery and fornication, things like that. That's, that's, that's sins of the flesh. Christian sins are gossip, talking bad about one another. Because, see, we don't do those big sins, so we, it's okay to do those little sins, right? But I, I think we look at it that way. I'm not saying it's right. He says... Uh, Verse 13, forbearing one another. In other words, someone makes a mistake. You don't hold them to the to highest account that you could. You, you forgive them. You give them a break. Give them a chance. Forbearing one another. Forgiving one another. Forgiving one another. Does someone have to come to us before we forgive them? No. Right? We can forgive them without making a big issue out of it. 
some, some people like to go to Matthew 18 real quick. Well, they got to come to me before I'm going to forgive them. Well, you can be a bigger person than that. Just forgive them and forget it anyway. You, you can, right? Why can't we do that? Because Christ has forgiven us of all of our sins. And we've got to keep that in mind. Verse 13, I've got to get through that before we get done. He said, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. Pretty clear there, isn't it? As Christ has forgiven us, we are to forgive them. Verse 14, and above all these things, putting on love, which is the bond of perfectness. The bond of perfectness. You're going to get close to where you need to be with the Lord. Love has to be the major driving force. Love. Then verse 15, and let the peace of God, we're getting right to the text now, let the peace of God rule in our hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And then one of my great, I love this verse, and whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Anybody know the little song that goes with that? Anybody? We need to teach that song, sounds like. Now, the, the book is about deepening our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and understanding better our union with Christ and just being a moral Christian on top of being a born-again Christian, how to be a moral Christian, uh, more than just being a believing Christian, but taking in the Christian life and living out Christ and our union with Christ. Y'all will be familiar with this scripture. I'm going to read it for you, Matthew 12. I'm not going to tell you where it is. But it says, When an unclean spirit is gone out of a man, he walketh, through dry places, seeking rest and findeth none. Talk about this, this spirit that went out of this man. An unclean spirit that went out of this man. Then he saith, I will return unto my house from which I came out. And when he has come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished, waxed. Then goeth he and taketh with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto the wicked, this wicked generation. Now, Jesus is not teaching definite here. He's teaching objectively here. And what he is saying here, what he is actually saying here, you just can't clean it out. You have to replace it. If you just clean up your life, uh, that looks good. You know, why would you, how, how many how many of you folks would like for someone to come clean your house every day for you? We all raise our hand. And if they cleaned it for us, would we be more apt to make a mess than we would be if we had to clean it ourselves? Yeah, we don't have to answer that. But here's the deal. He's teaching here that if we just clean it up and leave it that way, that spirit, he says, comes back with seven more wicked than it was than it is. And the end of that person is worse than the beginning. 
in general, he's teaching here. I, I just believe not specifically is he teaching here. I think he could have been more specific if he wanted to, if it was for that reason. He is teaching us here that you just don't get it cleaned out. You've got to fill it. Fill your life. And that goes, I read that verse because it, it fits right in to verses 5 through 9 where it's talking about put off the old man, put on the new man. Put off the old, put on the new. Put away fornication. Put away uncleanness. Put away inordinate affections. Put them away. Treat them as if they are dead and they were a part of your past life. But you've got to replace them. And so we're going to see some of the replacement here as we look through this. So we put off and we put on. So to mortify, here's what we put on. We put on the fact we start to understand our identity in Christ, that we are in a union with Jesus, that we're one with Jesus, and fornication and those things, those inordinate place, uh, affections, although they may be a part of our life right now, they do not belong in the new life as a Christian. Is that not saying a mountain to the society we live in today? Put it away, all of these things. So we, we learn and understand our new identity in Jesus, and then we, we mortify in the sense that we, as we mature, as we grow, we keep putting it farther in the rearview mirror. We realize that temptation is not the opportunity for us to fall. Our flesh is the problem. Every one of us have an old nature. Every one of us. So when I read this, Verse 5, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affections, evil concupiscences, and, and covetousness, which is idolatry. I realize, although we all look like we are super saints today, many and all, all of us deal with something in that verse. Or we have dealt with something in that verse. And here's the deal. We're ashamed to admit it. We're ashamed to talk about it. And there's a hundred and something people that are ashamed to talk about the realities of the flesh. We want to act as if it does not exist when the Bible teaches us clearly it does. That we got problems. We're, we're, we're tempted to, to look at pornography. We're tempted to, to think inordinate affections. That is among us and of us. And we don't know who we are that are dealing with it. But we must be our attempt to put it in the rearview mirror, identifying with Jesus. Realizing that it does automatically, doesn't automatically go away when we get saved. We can talk about addiction because it's become popular to talk about addiction. And, and anything we can plug into the ideal of addictions, man, it gets easier to talk about, right? But see, we talk about alcohol addiction, we talk about drug addiction, we talk about food addiction, and, and talk about sex addiction. As long as we keep it general, it's okay. But we have specific problems with these things. And so we mortify it. We mortify it. What does it mean? Put on, understand our new identity in Jesus. And put it in the rearview mirror with the... It's not my desire to continue realizing that it may continue to hinder you. And then we grow deeper in Scripture. Deeper in Scripture. And I'm going to give you three points from our text today that can help you to grow deeper in Scripture and to help us 
in victory over our flesh and our spirit. So how to mortify? Well, the more in shape you get physically, the better you can deal with climbing a ladder, working hard work. The more you become physically fit, the better you are at handling physical obstacles. That's a fact, isn't it? That's a fact. If you get real heavy, you slow down, you slow down, you slow down, and you do less. It's like a snowball effect. And then, if you would stay 40 years old, no problem, 600 pounds. I can deal with it. But when you start getting older, the more you are overweight, the more snowball effect, and you get to where you can't deal with it, and you get worse and worse and worse, and then you get to thinking, you know, I may not be around here much longer. No one close to my age understands what I'm talking about. <laughs> you that are young don't understand, and I understand. Because I didn't either. But it's the snowball effect in the physical life. I want to apply it to the spiritual life. We have to put it off. Put it off. Put off a pound here and there. Put off. Uh, go to the gym. Work out. Get some exercise. Continue to try to work that day. And if you don't try to put out some physical effort... You're going to get worse if you don't try to put out spiritual effort. You're not going to gain any ground either. Am I close to getting it where you need to be? So what he's talking about, what I'm talking about here, is how to be spiritually fit. How to be spiritually fit so that we can deal with the, the flesh and, 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 and deal with the sin of the spirit. How to be, get spiritually fit. I... I it happens. I mean, somebody will do something out of the ordinary for their life, and, and we're thinking, Lord, why did that guy do that? Why did he? I never knew he was that way about sex or whatever. And we were surprised. And, hey, I, I think it may have just occurred. Surely it may have just occurred. But the reason we do things, in, inordinate things, out of the way that's not fitting for a Christian is because we're not spiritually fit. We haven't kept up. We have to keep up. I know I'm as clear as mud today. I'm trying to say everything without saying anything. I'm trying to say everything I need to say. So what do we do to be spiritually fit? Number one, let the peace of God rule in your heart. Preach it, that don't make a lick of sense. Well, that's what the Bible says. And the connection, I made the connection, but I believe the connection exists. That between the flesh overcoming us and the negative things of our spirit over, the connection would be, how to overcome that, I believe, would be in the Bible here in verse 15, let the peace of God be the continually umpire in your life. Verse 15, he said, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. It's right there in the Scripture. Now, we have peace with God when we get saved. Right? When you come to Christ, you surrender to Jesus as Lord and Savior. You have peace with God. But that doesn't mean you have the peace of God in your heart. Right? He is saying here, let the peace of God 
Umpire is another word there. I've been using my, my, my commentaries. Umpire in your life. Let it control, influence your life. So we have peace with God the moment we get truly saved. But this is the peace of God. And, and it's, it's, it's deep, ongoing. And, and it overcomes the problems of, of, of being totally freaked out all the time. The world is searching for peace like what I'm talking about. But they will not experience the peace of God until they make peace with God. And only then can we have the peace of God. And people are looking for peace. They are everywhere. We'd like Peace, I don't know if you realize, peace is vital. They look in relationships. Sometimes when, when, we're, when we're upset, we, we're looking for someone or a relationship with someone to fix our peace. Our lack of peace. Our, our, we're, we're looking, some people look in pills. Some look in alcohol. You know, if you'd really, you, let me tell you, if you have a problem with addiction, here, let me tell you the first thing you do to help you resolve that issue. Figure out your trigger. Why do you go there? What are you looking for? I'll be honest with you. You're looking for something other than you think. It's something deeper. It's something deeper that, that you have a need for. So people go to relationship, they go to pills, and, and, and just for a moment of peace, to get rid of the conflict and the, and the, the constant disruption. Anxiety, people that have a lot of anxiety, they, they first thing they do is go to the doctor and say, give me a pill. And then that creates more problems. Jesus, in John 14, verse 27, said this, Peace, I leave with you. Said it to the disciples. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth peace give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. Now listen, you know what that verse tells me? That Jesus' peace is different from the peace that we may be seeking. The peace that we're seeking may be that we can just have a boring day and everything be okay and people's not calling us on the phone and, and all this. Jesus is talking about a peace that he gives us that wars against, it's a power against all the things that try to attack our peace. It's a force. He doesn't give us the state of peace, but his peace is in our heart, which is a force to oppose the enemies of our peace. All right, he doesn't give us the state of peace. Sink that in. He doesn't give us the state of peace. And, and I think that's what we're seeking. But if you look at that verse, I think you can see it in that verse. But his peace in our heart is a force that opposes the enemy of our peace. In other words, some of us, our life is in turmoil right now. I mean, you've been through this and that in different relationships. And, and, and maybe, you know, you, you've been through a divorce or whatever. And, and things are chaotic. We're not, we're not talking about you having a calm state of mind. We're talking about you to have some power in you that overcomes the enemy of you having that good state of mind. That's the peace that Jesus gives. Now, back to our text, he said, let the peace of God rule. What's going to control me? What's going to control me? You know, I, I, I get people, it happens, it happens to every one of us. 
I get somebody want to ring my bell, want to shake my world up. You got that? Somebody wants to ring my bell, shake my world up. Their world is, is confused. Their world is, 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 is upset. Their world is in turmoil. And so what they're going to do is create that in my life. First thing we don't do is get mad. That's the last thing we ought to do. First thing we do is take a step back. Said Jesus, thank you for your peace that you've given me. Stay in control of the argument. Stay in control of the conversation. I get, I get that, I get that text or that call all the time. What did so and so say? And I know, I know, I know for certain when I'm asked, what did so and so say? Someone has an anxiety issue in their life. Because it really don't matter what so-and-so said if they didn't say it to you. Do I need to repeat that? Hey, I have, I have all I can handle handling me. Somebody don't say anything to you, thank God they don't. Well, they're talking about me. Big deal. They weren't somebody else would. The peace of God rules in your heart. And Jesus is on the boat. Disciples are going nuts. The storm is raging. I mean, the boat is flipping. What are you doing, Jesus? I'm sleeping. Do you get it? Peace was in the boat. And he said, he, he woke up and he, he could have said this then. We don't know. The Bible records sometimes generally what he said all at one place. He, might, he, he said, boys, I... I need to give y'all my peace, I guess. Didn't y'all hear what I told you? Peter said, Lord, what did you say? I didn't hear nothing. All I see is the lightning and the storm, and it's going crazy, and you're down there sleeping. That was a text message from Peter. You're sleeping through the storm. Yes, I am. How come? Because I have peace. No, you don't care. Jesus, you don't care if you don't get mad. Jesus, you don't care if you don't get all... If you don't join my team and attack that opposes me, Jesus, you're not a good Jesus. Anybody got drama? I'm just rehearsing drama. That's all I'm doing. So, Jesus, first thing in that, in that illustration, the first thing we need to get him, what did Jesus tell them when they got on that boat? You missed the obvious, didn't you? You missed that it wasn't broadcast. He didn't make a big deal out of it. He just said it. Notice, if you look at the text, he said, let's get into the boat and go to the other side. Now, what's that a guarantee? That's a guarantee that boat ain't sinking. Come on, ears on. That's a guarantee that boat ain't sinking. One preacher said, if that boat sink, it becomes a submarine that goes to the other side. When Jesus said it, he meant it. He didn't make a big deal out of it because this ain't big deals to Jesus. He creates worlds on big deals. He said, let's get in the boat and go to the other side. And so he goes to sleep. That's what we need to learn to do. Rest in the peace that God is in control. You got craziness going on in your world? Rest. Rest. 
and the peace. Throw out a little word here and there every now and then that needs to be heard. Don't try to fix all the problems of the world in one day. They're not meant to be fixed in one day. You say, preacher, I, I got to get on this. Preacher, I, I, want, I want my family fixed and I want it fixed today. That's not the need of today. It took you 25 years to mess that family up. Don't expect that family to get fixed in two weeks. Okay, so Jesus said, all right, we're headed to the other side. We're going to go to the other side. Uh, Y'all take care of business up here. Don't you know he knew that storm was coming? Aren't you glad he don't tell us everything that's coming? Uh, they've been worried the whole time. That Peter and them was having a good time the first half of that trip. I've been on that place. It comes up quickly. And we, we, it come up on us. We didn't get to go on the boat one day. They're going, everything's so smooth sailing. And then the storm rages and they're about to sink. And Peter, because he's, he's a drama queen, uh, he, he says, Carest not thou that we perish? What does that have to do? You know good and well, Jesus cares about whether you perish or not. But Jesus is just trusting that what he said is going to come to pass. We're going to the other side. So, Jesus did not get out of his peace. He could Now, if I'd been sleeping there, I would have got up and I'd got mad. What are y'all doing worrying about this and bothering me about this? Hey, can't you get off that phone and leave it alone? Leave things alone for a while. He didn't get mad. He didn't, he didn't lose his peace, did he? He didn't lose his peace. That's the goal, right? Don't lose our peace when everybody else is trying to destroy it. And they're not trying. They just, they're, trying, they're crawling out for help. So Jesus gets up. He looks out. Peace be still. Three words. Peter ought to have said right then, you know, this was all set up for me to learn something. But he didn't say that. He was just happy that it was over with. But anytime we go through stuff, we need to take an evaluation of it and see what we've learned. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Folks, we're going to experience trouble. That's just the way life is. But this peace of God can keep us in central control room with Jesus. Let it rule. That word rule, umpire. If you have anxiety. If you are a control freak, you have anxiety. I have anxiety issues. I really do. And, and the peace of God overcomes that. Philippians chapter 4 Verse 6 and 7, he says, Be careful, or anxious is another word there. Be careful or anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then what happens? And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall what? Keep your heart and your mind. My heart and my mind needs peace to over, oversee it. And that's what he promises in Philippians 4, 6, and 7. So, now we're called to be peacemakers, aren't we? Right? The first thing to be a peacemaker, you've got to have peace. That's the last part of B. And then he says, in the last word of verse 15, be thankful. Gratitude is a very, very important part of our life. Now, the second one, let the word of God fill your life. Look at verse 16. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom and teaching, acknowledging 
one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Let the Word of God fill your life. Our, I want you to turn here because I want you to mark it. Go with me to Psalms 119. Psalms 119, 165. Uh, you got your Bibles? How, how many got your Bible? Wave your, wave your Bible. Oh, we get some bad habits here. Bad habits, bad habits. Bring the book with you. Bring the book. Psalms 119, 165. And here's why you don't bring it. We give you the cheat sheet right up here in front of everybody. I just don't want to cut it off. I should, but I don't. <clears throat> Most, uh, Listen, Psalms 119, 165. Great peace. Great peace. Great peace. Have who? Have they which love thy law. God's word. Hey, how many of you know I love banana pudding? How do you know? I love fried catfish. Right up here at Susie's place at, at Pat and I, I, I go, I'll buy you a meal if you're not happy. You, if you'll pay me $5 if you are. Make a deal with you. Hey, what, if you love it, you're on it. You're at it. You're doing it. You eat it. You take it. You're a part of it. If you love it, right? Great peace have they which love thy law. Now look at this. Here's the, here's the catcher. Nothing. Nothing, nothing shall offend them. You say, preacher, what do you mean by that? That means this. Some, someone can, can just, just try to ruin you and, and discourage you and, and trip you up. But if you are in God's word deep, nothing shall offend you. Well, I'm offended by that. Well, you just admitted your weakness. That offended me. Now, if you got a if you got a wife or a husband, you can do all the apologies that you need to do. Nothing wrong with that. Just say I was wrong. I, you know, men know the three magic words. I am wrong. It, it's not I love you. It's not I was wrong. Never say I was wrong. Here in the present state, right? I am wrong. That means future, past, everything included. You girls love it, don't you? Uh, now, guys, that's the quickest way to have a happy wife. <laughs> it works. Great peace. Let's get back to the Scripture. I'm losing that game. Great peace have they which love thy law. Nothing. Well, so-and-so preachers, so-and-so quitting. They, they're not coming back because somebody hurt their feelings. Well, we didn't get to them quick enough to try to grow them in God's Word. We didn't grow them in God's Word enough to keep them. And, well, certain so-and-so's been a part of the church for 40 years, and they're not coming back. Well, they're old enough to feed themselves. We need to go back and try to help them, get them back, reach them back. I'm not saying, saying turn you back. I'm just saying, let's admit the truth. When we are offended, it's because we're not deep enough in God's Word. If we are deep in God's Word, we know it's coming. I cannot take you through the Bible verses in the New Testament that Jesus taught you that offense is coming your way. 
Offense is coming your way. Let me tell you about this Christian life. You, you thought you're supposed to be, be victorious, overcome, and, and everything you'll go your way and win everything. I hope that happens in your life. But that's not the generalized purpose of life. God gives you this life, and then you get saved, and then it comes constant obstacle. Obstacle after obstacle. obstacle offense after offense. Coming at you, and because you are His, you stay in there. That's the only reason you stay in there. Because you're in His Word. You're in Him and you're in His Word. Let the Word of God fill your life. Verse 16. Let it reside in you. Let it have priority in you. And the Holy Spirit uses the Word, the sword of the Spirit, to change our life. Charles Spurgeon made this statement. I don't have it quite exactly right, but I remember it hearing it years ago. He said, you find me a person with a worn out Bible, I'll show you a person that their life is not worn out. Show me a person with a worn out Bible and I'll show you a person whose life is not ragged and destroyed. Let me check your Bible out. I got a Bible I preach from and I got Bibles I study from. A big difference between those Bibles. Wear it out. Bible Christians is who we are. Hey, I'm going to tell you something. This is a problem. That phone has your attention. And if you're reading your Bible that phone, that's fine. I'm not arguing against that. But other things take away from time in the Word. I, I do not want to do a survey of how many of us are reading the Bible every day. And just because you're reading the Bible every day don't mean that you're getting in the Word of it every day. Because I'll tell you the truth, I've been to the point where I've sometimes read it so I could check mark. Got my check mark. All right, God, I'm done. I'm going on now. Come on. Is that not the truth? And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying quit reading because you're just doing it for the check mark. I'm saying check your motives out and get back into the Word. Now, that'd do you some good. If you didn't hear anything else to help you. Spurgeon said, the person whose Bible is falling apart, their life is not going to fall apart. I love that. Our spiritual health depends on it. James tells us about it. James, I, I could give you James 1, 21 through 25. You read it lady, late, late, later. Be in the Word. Be in the Word. Let the Word get into you. Teaching us wisdom and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing to the Lord. Making music in our heart. Singing psalms. We need to be in the psalms. We need to be in hymns. We need to be spiritual songs. And we need to be singing with grace in our heart to the Lord. Hey, Sing, sing, sing to the Lord. It gets deeper as you sing it. All right? The fourth, third one, and we'll close. Let the life of God flow through your life. Let the life of God flow to your life. Verse 17, And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. You can't do it in Jesus' name. Don't do it. Doing all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him thanks. Paul has already told us to have compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, love. He's already told us all that. And now he's teaching us to let it flow through our life. The life of God flowing through our life. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the Father. And what's he doing? Word or deed? Do all for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 
10.31. 17. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by him. Hey, attitude's important. Attitude, gratitude, important. Being thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. So, there it is. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Spiritual health. Peace of God. Dwell in your heart. Rule in your heart, rather. Word of God, dwell in your life. And the will of God come out through your life. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord is your Savior, I want to invite you to Jesus. God loves you. Jesus died for you on the cross for you to be saved. Everything I said today is important for a Christian. But what I'm saying to you that not a Christian is important here. Jesus died for your sins. And you can be saved today. Would you come and give your heart to Christ and be saved? Start the Christian life out. Let's all stand. Boy, I can run on a short runway, can't I? Shannon told me the other day I run the shortest sermon he ever heard me preach the other day. Because I've learned those airplane runways. Set her down like a helicopter. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, would you come out of that seat right now and give your life to Jesus? Would you come and give your heart to Jesus right now? Make this your day of salvation, now being the accepted time that you become a Christian. Would you come? You're right where you belong, Eddie. Right where you belong. Anybody else need to come today? sing that out now. Just says, <clears throat> maybe you need to be baptized to follow the Lord in believers' baptism. You come. Maybe you need to unite with the church, whatever your need is. We welcome you to come. Whatever your need is, we welcome you to come. Need to pray. We encourage you to come. Need to rededicate your life. You come.
let's have our ushers come for a morning off we've got some good news to